hamster with a blunt penknife would do it quicker. One. Welcome back to uh, Hamster with a Blunt Penknife, the Doctor Who commentary podcast. David. Hello. Have you ever floated down a lift shaft in slow motion? Um, probably not. I That's mean, how you I, felt I, the day you got married. Don't don't I lie think, to I, me. I'm not sure if I can quit the, the, the day I got married with um, possibly one of the most embarrassing effect shots in Doctor Who <laughs> history. <laughs> I mean, oh, yeah. that yeah. shot, that shot, I think I, st- I, st- I stuck a, an example of it on Twitter the other day because it was just, and the more I looked at it, because I say this is a story I don't revisit often. I never looked at any detail. And the more I just looked at that, that shot, it was like, oh, this is bad. I like the fact that Tom Baker's out with a scarf as if he's sort of flying. You know? I, I can't work out. Is it, is he? in character being quite bored and not that fussed about what's going on because it's just like yeah i've seen this before or is it just tom not giving a shit i mean we've already talked about this it could go that could be either of those two things couldn't it (laughs) well i mean i mean we keep cutting back to it so i think the implication is that they've been going down for some time if you'll pardon the expression they are and you've got three different attempts to how to sell that you've got Norman Tipton, who I think is a bit lost. Yeah, he's all going, he looks like a chicken, doesn't he? He looks like, well, yeah, when Kerensky dies in City of Death. It's a bit like that. And then you've got Louise Jameson, who is, I think, really trying to sell it. And then you've got Tom God titting bless around her. God bless Louise Jameson. You know? <laughs> the stuff she... they asked her to sell in season 15. I mean, can my... how do we describe this to you, Louise? Well, you're floating down this shaft, you're standing on this blue set. Just imagine you're in this Degro green lift shaft with some Muzak playing and you're floating down. So just do some floating acting. Do you know what? I do think in this story, there is even the point where she loses interest. And I don't think she ever really loses interest. She's always trying. But there's a bit in, I think it's episode four, where they're trapped in a cave um eat out the doctor and her yeah. and she's just looking bored and she's just got like to the side of this of the scene looking incredibly bored yeah i know the show because it goes on just that little bit too long and you're like it's like is this is this louise on set looking bored i think it's one of those the episode's under running a bit again oh we've got a bit of footage here of them on the cave set just stick it in but yeah that is, it's not quite as interminable as the the repeated shots of cameras or smoke or coming guards in. going down the corridor guards going down a corridor i mean i thought the lift shaft thing was repeated but it's not they actually have done it three times oh no oh bless it's them no wonder they were getting pissed off suddenly different oh, i always thought for ages that it was just the same shot repeated but it's like no no it's di- it is different just well i'll tell you what let's go floating down the shaft and <laughs> uh see what episode three of underworld has to offer uh, would you care to count us in? Five, four, three, two, one. I was going to ask you if you knew anything about Greek mythology and all the stuff that this is based on. If I'm honest, I recognise the words, yeah, that, but that, the detail that's me as well. No, I mean the closest I can do is I played Assassin's Creed Odyssey a few years ago. That's got a lot of Greek mythology, but I know that's absolutely no reflection of what happened in real life. Did the plot of Underworld help you get through Assassin's Creed not, Odyssey? 
not particularly no, oh, but you know that that's a real shame. That's a, you know there, there, there was a tie in dying to happen. I mean you know floating floating through caves and everything. I mean that's that's a that's a modern video game that's got slightly better visual effects than I bet it does. And yet and again another long reprise. Yeah, you you can always tell, can't you? That's what Terrence Dixon said. You can always tell when we're under running because uh, the reprise is about two and a half minutes long. So. This this is going to be the most un, possibly the most in, uninteresting spot potential spot, but there is potentially a bit of reuse. I think reuse set. So at the back of the R one C set, you've got the little tape reel things. Mm. Like they look a lot like the ones that are in Resurrection of the Daleks when the Doctor's having the brain drain. They do. I think that it's might got, be. It's got I the just bit did down the commentary the for that a couple of weeks ago because we were watching Captain Scarlet. And I think that those props originated as a Captain Scarlet prop because we I know the BBC bought a whole load of props from Century 21 because a lot of stuff from Space 1999 and UFO turns up in Doctor Who. So it's not out of the realms of possibility that some of these small bits of set... I love playing prop watch in Doctor Who. That bloody sofa from Robots of Death, from Blake Seven, that turns up in Time Lash. Oh, it's fabulous. And there might be some bits on the spaceship. There might be some of the sofa, because they are sofas that they've got on that upper level. And the Blake Seven guards helmets end up in Doctor Who at some point. Frontiers or something? Frontiers. Mm. I was about to say um, Mysterious Planet, but they're reusing the Earthshock. Oh, they're reusing their own props. And then... I think they turn up in Delta and the Banner Men as well. So they got their money's worth out of that. You know how Tom Baker used to hang out at the bar, right, and get absolutely bladdered? He did. That bit bit there where he just rested his head down, that's a bit like Tom at the bar at the end of the night. We had the one last chance to see the uh, vent spewing out its smoke, but this time in reverse. That's right. And I'm not going to say the line again, but... You know what it is. I know what it is. <laughs> and and now, now we've got the guard. They've taken their hats off, so we now see what they look like. The one at the back, you know, he looks like um, every porn actor from the 1970s with that moustache. <laughs> <laughs> and look at their enormous shoulder pads. I mean, they're giving Kate O'Mara a run for their the, money. I mean, I, I think that, I don't think the costume design in this is its strong point. I, don't, I think I said during uh, the first first episode, I think the the Minions, the Minions of Minyos' spacesuits are just a bit dreary obviously the trogs are going to be a bit dreary because they're meant to be but i mean the color scheme of this it's like we've got this gold is it gold yeah it's sort of of goldy gray isn't it goldy gray on top of with gray and blonde hair on top of a backdrop that's gray and then the spaceship is just all gray for the most part or beige and the most colour in this is either the Doctor's scarf or yeah, there's some design on the floor. I do quite like the design of the mad computer room, which I know is this set redressed, but there's some sort of purples there's, and yellows in there as well. There's some colour in it. And this is a nice little cute moment with Leela and Idas where they're talking about the sky. And it's like, that's, that is the roof. Yeah. And that's we quite nice. more exchanges like that, though, didn't we? And, and and I think you need Leela to be working with someone and get a bit of character. She has a nice line. I think it's at the end of this scene where he's like, "The Doctor saved many fathers." It's a great line. That's a that, really that brilliant, a great Leela line. And it's just such a shame that there's just too few because you know, growing up, you've got all these reference books and they all have the the 
most quotable dialogue. And that's like... That's Underworld not, does not feature. <laughs> I don't think Underworld features, and it's a real shame, because there you go. Don't worry. Do not worry. He'll Look, there's see. a whopping great close-up on your tape reels there. I th- I, it's, it's, that's going to be one of those things where I'm going to go and pause things and go, that's the same, isn't it? How could you possibly say that's uninteresting? I mean, that's the sort of content the well, listeners are I, here for. I, I think I'm doing that thing of kind of protecting myself. I think we were talking about this off mic about being slightly, you know, not being embarrassed about being geeky, but every now and again, that, that, that little bit of instinct kicks in of going, people might judge me. But then, then, I, then you're right. I should just remember... <laughs> Where I where I am, what I'm doing, and who I'm talking with in terms of to yourself and to the audience. Exactly. Is, We're all here because we love the same thing as you. We all love the same thing. Although, do you know what? I do know a podcast host, yeah. The most affable man you're ever gonna meet. Nobody in his life, apart from his partner, obviously, knows he is a Doctor Who fan and that he runs a Doctor Who podcast. He's managed to completely separate the two things. That's interesting. That's astonishing, isn't it? I mean, I I, mean, I couldn't do it. I think I, I toyed with the idea of doing a podcast. Then I go, I can't actually think of a, 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 a new way in or anything like that. Then, And it was, again, talking with my husband about it. And he just goes, just turn up at other people's. Don't, don't, get, caught, don't get caught up in, like, commission, get putting yourself on a schedule and everything like that. So just enjoy it for as long as you want to do it. He's like, keep doing your videos because you enjoy doing that. And that's your hobby. Oh, your videos are marvellous. I need to do some more, but I'm waiting on... I need to get a new microphone. But it's like... Because it was my 40th, and someone said, what do you want for your 40th? I'm like, I'd like a new microphone, please. And my brother-in-law's a sound engineer. So it's like... So I said, can you can you pick a good one? Because like I can go on Amazon or anything like that, going, I haven't got a clue what I'm looking at. So, I think... Uh, I not unreasonable to say they're just wandering around some caves, so we ain't got to worry about underworld for there's a There's not a lot. There's not a lot. Canines floating around. Um, that... Your videos are as detailed, I say, as sort of the Gav Rymill, you know, the Dalek Army ones. And 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 that's, I mean, because I think they're fun. I I I love those, and so that's that's really I'm very flattered. I don't almost lost almost lost the word. I think for me, my main thing is keep it short, because sometimes when you go on, you know, you get these recommendations from YouTube, and like, oh, that sounds like an interesting topic. How long is this video? Two hours. <laughs> yeah. I mean, I, I always think, especially when you see things, also reaction videos, which I don't watch anymore because I've got quite fed up with them. But like, we are reacting to the latest Disney Plus trailer. Look, look do you know what? I, I get it though. I do get reaction videos because I people sort of want uh, it's that confirmation bias. They're mm. watching people react in the way they reacted, and so you can get very emotional through their eyes. But I always think like the people doing the reaction videos. That is the laziest form of thing you can put out. Just putting something on and watching it, and then filming it, and then putting that out. Because uh, there are times where it can be really quite interestingly done. Now we're coming up to the lift. They're at the lift shaft now. Oh yes. And I'll do the music? Can I? You can if you want to sing the music. You're more than welcome. It's basically just that over and over again. Yeah. And we've got just push. And did you notice the camera there again? The camera was there. Yeah. I, I've lost count, but it's probably like the fifth or sixth time. That <laughs> Look we've at had Tom's it. face. He's like, "Oh, let's go, push everybody." Well, he's, he's in a good mood here because this is in. This is just after he's been um, regaling the Alan Lake story. Here we go. Oh the, my god! So, 
Yeah, look. Norman trying to. <laughs> I know. And sort of Louise James is doing a sort of gravity defying thing, isn't she? Like, oh. And, and Tom's just like, yeah, Scar. <laughs> yeah, I know. Yeah. And then, ah. because it, it's on the little monitor as well. But the same shot that we just had. <laughs> The thing is, they're coming down slowly down this this, this shaft, oh, and it's like alert, alert, and they're still coming down. We get you this. know, you know, when like a a young child, you know, does you know, you ask a young child to count backwards, and they sort of turn their back on you and count forwards, and you go, oh, and you pat them on the head because they tried, even though they got it completely wrong. That's how I feel watching Underworld sometimes. You know, I'm like, oh, bless you, <laughs> <laughs> you're adorable, you are. And back on the spec. So this Here is a good we go. Bit of, yeah, good bit of economy in terms of you know, and it makes sense. It's the sister ship or the the sim culture. Therefore, it would be the same design. So that all works. Do you know what? Like, they could have gone to town with this, with some really exotic drapings and lots of dry ice. And so again, it feels a bit half-hearted, even though the lighting's a bit better. I think sometimes a lot of these stories would be immeasurably improved with a little bit of dry ice and just bring the lights down a little bit further <laughs> and if anybody would like to know Sophie Aldred is on uh, an episode of Corners on YouTube telling you how you can do it sorry <laughs> just another little thing for YouTube there there's a bit in the minute you know where they try and light this sort of brazier thing and it takes forever did you notice yes it, it's, it's quite well it, it all it all kind of betrays the we're doing this in a rush I mean, the thing is, we've now got the Sears, which mm-hmm. is you know, the, the 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 slightly unfortunately shaped robots, <laughs> and it was it took me a while to realise that one of them, because they they're both when I say proper actors, they've got proper named guest stars in these costumes, and one of them is oh, Richard Shaw, who plays Lobos in Space Museum. Oh, the charisma! And, I I can't handle it, and. He's in, he's in Frontier Space, he's in Quatermass in the Pit. You know, somebody who's capable of probably being doing a fairly decent guest performance is hidden under a hood, under a mask, <laughs> in, a, in a really thankless role. And there's that point of there's just maybe too many characters at this point. Yeah. Because it's almost like if you just had the Sears as the, the, the lead guards, then you could actually spend a bit more time with them, build them up a bit more as these sort of secondary villains. But apart from that, they've had their masks off for a bit. Like this whole bunch, the the crew, the descendants, you know, the, yeah. the, the trogs, why do we care about any of them? Like we never get to know any of them. We never really understand the infrastructure of, of their community. I'll, I'll give you an example of, of how Russell T. Davis does this sort of thing really well. When he's got sort of on mass scenes. Do you remember that bit in Christmas Invasion when all the people with the blood types start leaving their houses and going up? And, you know, you could be like, oh, well, why do we care about these people? They're just a load of people we don't know. And then you've got that scene of that woman going, you know, no, please go back in the house. You're scaring me now, you know. And and you just get a little, just a little emotional insight and you suddenly care about these people. Yeah, there is absolutely, there's no emotion in this at all. I mean, classic, classic Who wasn't always full of emotion anyway. And that's but, all right, isn't it? Like, I don't mind that. So there's nothing wrong with that. I think it worked. But what you have here is, you're right, there's no, because there's no really sympathetic character. The only one that really gets any sort of meaningful dialogue is Idas, and he's wet. I mean, and I'm Herrick. reading a review. Did you say Herrick as well? And Herrick, Herrick is, is, 
Although he's not in it as much as I remember. Watching no, it now, I'm, going, I'm sure I, he's been I'm not, I don't think it. the last time I've spotted him, actually, do you know, it was about... He's been out of it for a while. He got stuck behind a door. And I know he gets a bit more to do at the end of this episode. But, like, you've got Idmon, that's his, his father, because it was a review that said, I couldn't even tell you what Idmon looks like because you never see him in any sort of close-up because he's always in either sort of mid-shot or long shot. And it's like, well, he's not the only one because there's a there's a Naya who is introduced in this episode. It's like, I always forget that they actually Who's have... that? Um, is that one of the trucks? It's one of the trucks. Oh. She's got a bit of dialogue in three and four because um, she she's chatting with Leela later. But it's like, I could never remember. It was only when watching going, oh yeah, there's this other character who popped up. I didn't know that person existed. So thank you for, <laughs> for making me realise that. Did you see that sort of rickety bridge that they just had there? It was an actual bit of set in the caves. Yeah. It's a bit of set because there's a close-up when Alan Lake falls on it and you can see it's a bit cobbled together, but it's probably meant to be. But that's the thing with some of these productions. It was like, is it meant to be cobbled together or is it just... And and you know, the escape scene <laughs> no, no, is, is is the trouble with the dad as well, right? Is every time he's given dialogue, is is that sort of like frustrating to camera going, no, my son, you know, like get out of here. Yeah, it's all this sort of portentous dialogue as well, and yeah. um, yeah, I mean, it's not brutally done. I mean, the guest, I mean. One okay, one thing is that the, the the laser effects are actually. Oh, they're not bad, done. are they? They're not bad. And I like and the it, shields that bounce them back. The shields well. gone is really and it's because I believe, and no doubt somebody will correct me, that for this story they did an effects day after they did uh, all the recording. That's correct, yeah. They did it all, and I think it was either if it was not the first time they did it, it was rare that they had these studio gallery only days, I think. Is, is Apparently true. there was another show sets going up and they used a gallery on the same day. And that allowed them to do all the effects in post-production because I think they used in, in Invisible Enemy, they had to do it as live and it took forever. Yeah. And I think you can, when you watch Invisible Enemy, you can sometimes tell. Whereas yeah. here, I think the visual effects, those those sort of lasers and that work really and, well. Oh, they're actually, and certainly on the... Because I've got the VHS, VHS copy here, some of them are losing color coming across the bridge. Because that, that poor bridge, because that's all they've got. We just keep going over it. <laughs> like... And then you've got th this shot, which I think they use it as an example. This is the example they use in the documentaries because every time they do an effect, it takes the generation of the yeah, master right. tape down. Yeah. And the, the fella says on the documentary that at some points it was getting to the point where it was unbroadcastable or what was accepted to be broadcasted. And they were watching it on the DVD, there were some of these shots looked like they were from an off air because yeah. the quality has just gone down so much. It's like we and, said, isn't it? It's all been made in desperation, this. And but it, they're doing things that would later become the norm, doing all your, your laser effects. It's single fact. camera as well, isn't it? It's all it single camera. Single, it, 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 yeah. Every single camera. Whereas so, normally it's multicam in the studio. And I think they mostly get away with it. I think sometimes there's a lot of discontinuity when you have cuts in the same scene. So there's a bit in part two where the Doctor and Leela go and hide in, was it the minecart? And they cut to a close, so they go in and they cover themselves with the, the, the foil sheet. And then there's a close-up where it's kind of not quite covering them. So there's a lot... It's clearly not quite so... That's the end of this there episode, is. isn't it? There she oh, is. Yeah. And there's a shot of Leela coming up, which I think was a meme for a while of her just looking a bit confused. 
Oh, do you know? No, I did know this woman existed because on the info text, apparently she's come from like a prestige period drama. So she's had a massive role, and suddenly she's doing this. Yeah. And and, and having to and the the challenge that some of these actors have, they're delivering this dialogue all kind of in the oracle and the, the, yeah, the yeah. and it's it's all we need some wit, don't we? It, it it's all very basic. In fact, you know what this needs? It needs they need to hang a lantern on it more. It needs to be more sort of Stephen Moffat, a bit more meta. Because we all keep going down the same corridor, because we do keep going across the same bridge, someone needs to just let the audience know we know we're going across the same bridge. So go, oh, Jesus Christ, another bridge, you know, <laughs> something like that, you know. But because it's all just played as if it's a vast area where every area looks exactly the same, well, it sort of exposes of exactly what was happening behind the scenes. I think it... it, it... It's almost like they should have just said, look, we may just need to be a little more tongue-in-cheek with this. We just have to, you know, you need the wit to carry you through. Normally that would be Tom. But he's and not doing it here. I just think there's no time for it. It's it basically, everything is telling the story and it's just telling the story. And here we are, I don't, I don't know how far we're into this. It's like, except, yeah, we're, near, we're not far off the end. And it's like, it doesn't feel like a lot has happened. And it's like, what... It is very slight in terms of a story. And in terms of incident as well in episodes two and three. There's not a lot. And I think it gets a bit muddled as well. Like what this next sequence where they're, they're, they're in the, so they're getting in the carts, they're going, they're being pushed around. And then the, the cliffhanger. <laughs> it's terrible. It's, not it's, it's going the on. cart just going over the edge, isn't it? Of a cliff. And then, <laughs> and then, what was their so, so their plan was what they were going to go through the crusher, but then they fall into the crusher. Um, yeah, so it's all a bit. They they are they trying to go back to the seer again? They're trying to get back into the ship through because they talk about oh they ingest the rock as the crusher. Yeah. So is that how they were trying to? So it's it's not. Yeah, and, and the direction just doesn't help. And the direction really doesn't. And and uh, you know we repeat ourselves ad nauseum. Because of what it the, the the madness that is going on behind the scenes, that's why it doesn't make no sense. Like I mean, in in a, a a more smooth production, when this sort of thing happens, I'm less forgiving. But I kind of get it. I think that, and there is a there is a long discussion about how forgiving can we be towards <laughs> Doctor Who stories. I think I, I I kind of put that out there over the weekend in terms of why, as fans, are we more forgiving? To certain stories over others and like the this was a story like invasion of time made under really difficult stressful circumstances it was a miracle they got made but they can just get a major kick in. same thing things like twin dilemma time and the rani and which i know you've been doing a lot of you've, you've been getting through some interesting story all choices right. well that's because all then, everyone chose all the best ones first now i'm 600 episodes in i'm just left with the drick and yet when you know I know people enjoy things like flux, but anytime someone comes in to criticize, it's like, but it was made during the most difficult circumstances. We have to be cut. So you're willing to go to say, be accepting of behind the scenes issues and difficulties. And that's why maybe the final product, I think I saw that when people talked about legend of the sea devil saying, you know, it was made under difficult circumstances. So you're willing to give that a bit of a free pass, but not elsewhere. Yeah, and, and, and I will say I think Flux is an extraordinary production, regardless of the circumstances it was made under. 
I, I might have to read it. I, I, I struggled with it. I, I, oh, I did struggle. Like, I may have to go back and give it. I, I had to take five things into the cutaway bunker recently, and my Blu-ray set of the Flux DVDs was one of my five Doctor Who things I took down there. So that tells you how high I, I hold that one. And and that's that's the good thing about I think a lot of fans, and certainly like a lot of the fans that we all sort of know, is that we can disagree. We can respect. Mm. And except Fraser Gregory, who is frequently wrong. I I quite like the Dominators. I don't think that <laughs> is that as funny how you there. go straight to the Dominators there. Well, you know, we all do. And here, here we go. We're, we're now coming to <gasps> oh my god, is quite possibly the 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 most ridiculous. No, more ridiculous than the lift shaft scene is the reveal of the Sears. I've got to say, you know, if I ask my Raft to go into the bedroom right now and to open my top drawer, you see something very similar to those Sears revealed, as he did. I mean, they are very <laughs> rude looking, aren't they? They look rude. I mean, the, I don't know if it's the glowing red eyes or the... the, the, the it doesn't really make a lot of sense. It, it, <laughs> I'm so sorry to laugh, but that old man pushing them up, up the thing there, it's like something out of Monty Python. It's like something out of the life of Brian. It, it, it's one of those things of what's going on. I, I wonder whether or not, this is where if, some, if somebody's got a copy of the camera script, I would love to have a copy of the script. I would love to know whether or not that ending they shot everything that they needed for that cliffhanger or whether or not there's something missing because i it really feels like there's some dialogue or something not there i'll tell you what i'll do between episodes three and four i'll quickly for oh there you go there's chapter 11 the crusher i'll find the bit of dialogue and i'll try to explain to you what's occurring okay Look, these are the lengths we're having to go to to have the book on hand to explain to what's going on to understand the story Oh, oh bless yeah. I mean, poor poor Norman Stewart. You know, he gets Underworld, and then it's like, right, we, you can come back next year. What am I doing? Power of Crawl. <laughs> bless his heart. <laughs> Although, do you it's, know, I will say the location work in Power of Crawl, I think, is the best stuff he did. I, 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 I think the location work is great. I think, I think model work for the most part is actually quite decent. I think there's a couple of match shots that don't quite work, but I think all the outdoor stuff looks great. The second they get into the studio, you can see why he probably wasn't asked back for another year, but then they kept getting Pennant Roberts back in. By all accounts, he was so technically competent on The Invisible Enemy, wasn't he? He was the the director's uh, voice on the studio floor. Yeah, he was the was a production assistant or something on Invisible Enemy. And he was Enemy. so good at ushering all the actors about in all those sequences in the Doctor's brain. Graham Williams is like, ah, he could do this. He could direct. And the stuff in the Doctor's brain, because that's CSO sets for a lot of it, a lot of that is actually really good. pretty yeah. good. And because there's not many of them, they don't dedicate nearly three episodes to it. And they have a variety of shots. They actually have close-ups. And it's kind of that fantastical nature of, you know, you're inside the Doctor's brain, therefore if it looks a bit weird and a bit abstract, it doesn't matter. But here we're just floating around. Some just love that bit where they're doing round ring ring of roses and all that water's coming at you at the same time. <laughs> that cliff out there, there's a part two of Invisible Emily where they're holding hands, spinning around. It's like, okay, that looks a bit silly. But again, you, you don't care. 
So because because you and I have sort of discovered that the writing lacks some wit, that the characters lack personality, that the actors are sort of a bit lost because of what's going on, how they're shooting this, um, and that there is a lot of running around, and it's technically incompetent in places. Can you understand why some people would struggle with this? Yeah. I think I wouldn't put it bottom of a pole, but I can see why people do. Because I think it's exp- it's an experiment, but it is a failed experiment. Because they don't do anything like this really ever again. Not in the classic series, no. I mean, the Rings of Akaten is basically this, isn't it? Everyone in front of green screens, for the most part. And everyone loves the Rings of Akaten. Well, well, I quite like that one, actually. But <laughs> no, no one else does. Um, well, look, we're going to hit the the shocking and gripping denouement of Underworld with episode four. Are you ready? I'm ready. Let's do it.